Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is not true. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Well, good morning. Welcome to Zero Other Day. Welcome to Zero Other Day. I am your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, empowerment, and liberation. Promoting knowledge that is engaging and transforming and empowering you, the listener, to knowing, doing, being, and impacting the world around you. Now, you know, I <laughs> I love live radio. It always never ceases to amaze me. So I was trying to upload some files. I wanted to do a little Whitney Houston tribute today and just trying to upload some files, some music. I wanted to do it from a gospel heritage and we're going to keep trying to see what we get, but um, we're honoring Whitney for a few minutes, for, you know, first half segment of the show. So if you want to call in, talk a little bit about Whitney, uh, if you if you want, we can do that for a little bit. And you know how that is. But anyway, welcome to Zero Day. We're glad that you're here. We're here for you. We want you to be empowered. We want you to do, help us join us in this illuminating journey. Call us. Call, get your opinion, your insight, your views, commentary, anything that you want on the line at 347-237-25230. We're trying to get the chat room up. Uh, Blog Talk Radio is having some problems. And uh, actually, everything is, you know, can't upload files and uh, having problems with the chat room, all of it. But, hey, you know how it is. We we do what we can, and we try to do what we do as good as we can. <laughs> That didn't make any sense whatsoever. Well, at least the chat room is coming up. So, join us in the chat room. That's up. So, you can get in there. Send us an email, PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, at Prophesy, on our Facebook network, uh, Facebook page, Zira uh, Network. Like that page. Join the network. Get all kinds of good discussion. And uh, hopefully, soon we'll be able to get uh, offers and stuff. You know, we ain't that sophisticated yet. <laughs> But we're getting there. But anyway, like I said, we're talking with you today. I know it's sad, 
Um, matter of fact, we can talk about uh, Whitney and the Grammys and all that stuff. Uh, Valentine's Day for a few minutes before we get into our guests. I have a wonderful show, uh, second segment lined up for us. We're going to be talking about homosexuality in the church. With my guest D.L. Foster, he'll be in on the uh, on the second segment. But for the first, you know, for the first segment, just want to talk a little bit about Whitney. I want to talk a little bit about the death. Now, I've talked um, uh, Sunday. I was, you know, when I was talking with people about, you know, of course, I, I, I'm grieved at the fact that, you know, it's such an early loss. I know everybody was uh, talking around the same thing. Her loss in and of itself is just I mean, it's it's it leaves a it leaves a void in the music industry. Uh and uh the quality of the music industry certainly has not been the same since she's been on the scene. Um so, you know, it it it, it leaves a great deal to be um to be to a great uh big shoes to fill. And nobody stepped up to the plate so far, but I'm kind of jumping ahead on that. But uh, call in if you want to share some things about that. But um, the fact that she passed away with drugs—not uh, drugs, but uh, you know—it was, it was uh, the rumor mill was that there were prescription drugs. Of course, the toxicology report uh, has not been released and probably won't be released from uh, for some weeks. Just as in the case of Michael Jackson's passing, you know, it took some took some while, took a while before they got the toxicology report back from the coroner. Um, but um, you know, it, it, it's sad. It's untimely. It's sad. And, uh, I think everybody should be praying praying for uh, her family, especially her daughter and uh, Bobby Brown. And I know people are just hating on Bobby Brown right now. You know, uh, well, they've been hating on him. Since they got together, they couldn't understand how such a beautiful woman, a sweet American girl, could get with that guy, right? And, and everybody knows, I mean, Whitney was from Newark, New Jersey. Newark is not and never has been, uh, never has been uh, white city USA. You know, it's never been that type of city. It's been always been plagued with drugs, in the, you know, in the latter part of the 20th century. The environment that she grew up in, you know, it was not. She was a good girl, yeah. I know a lot of plenty of plenty of good girls that turn bad, you know, and good girls who attract bad, you know, the bad guys. They attracted to the bad guy thing, right? Uh, but, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Whitney's behavior was, you know, not any different behind the camera, you know, behind the scenes. I, I'm not slandering her or anything. Please don't get that wrong. But, you know, I know how some good girls are. Good girls usually do the bad things, and they just never get caught. And unfortunately, because of her, her, you know, superstardom, her her, uh, her addiction, her demons, you know, they got the best of her in the latter part of her career. And I always admired Whitney. I, you know, I I wanted to, my, my thing, I wanted to celebrate her gospel legacy, her gospel uh Gospel roots, um, and and people forget. You know, they've been talking about her starring in the Bodyguard and all of that stuff, but people forget. You know, she did wait to exhale, and that's still the black. <laughs> that's still the must see movie for black women. You know, they get together to cry and whatever. Uh, shoop shoop. <laughs> oh my goodness! But uh. You know, they forget her role in the preacher's right, the preacher's wife, and, and I, I love that movie. That was probably uh, her, as far as 
as far as showcasing showcasing her gospel song, her gospel sound, her gospel voice, her gospel heritage, gospel roots, church roots. That movie right there did it. You know, you had songs like I Love the Lord, You Heard My Cry, uh, you know, that, that little choral uh, thing. And then um, I go to the rock. I think she was backed up with the Georgia Mass Choir on that tune. And, you know, those those songs are still being sang in churches today. So, I mean, I mean, we can't just limit her. And she was a church girl. Her mother was a gospel artist. So, and uh, uh, what is Dionne Warwick? Is Dionne Warwick her niece, her aunt, or her cousin? I think it's her cousin. Y'all see how uninformed I am. I, I hey, blame it on the rain. <laughs> but uh, uh, Dionne Warwick also did some gospel. Um, and, um, and, and you know, she's a good old Baptist singing. Good old Baptist girl. Good old Baptist sing, singing, uh, you know, style and all of that. So she's going to be missed. And, uh, that void, I, I, I doubt very seriously if that void can be filled. Now, speaking of that void, all this talk about Whitney, um, and they did some wonderful tribute. I, I, I did listen to uh, Jennifer Hudson's tribute to her uh, as she sang uh, that song, her uh sang that song. It was so beautiful. It was so moving. And I could tell she put as much emotion into it, probably reminiscing on, you know, the loss that she's had in her family and uh, connecting that. But it was wonderfully, uh, Jennifer, she pulled it off. I, that was a good thing she pulled it off. But, the, um, you know, the celebrator was, was hampered a little bit. I, I think, uh, what's the, the girl named Nicki Minaj took away from um, the celebration honoring Whitney, and, and, and you know, uh, so so Nicki Minaj, Nicki Minaj, am I saying it right? Nicki Minaj, yeah, okay. So she, <laughs> her her costume, her performance was deemed offensive by um, by some people in the church, and I've learned to stop taking you know stop taking these folks so seriously because largely. You know, the real realization is, you know, they're they're expected in the world. They're not, you know, they're not expected to, to do stuff that we like. You know, if they're gonna do anything, it would be um, it would it's gonna be offensive to us. And and people, you know, you might as well just just get over it. Sometimes I would not expect Nicki Minaj to. Uh, <laughs> to be holy, whatever you want. I don't expect, you know, uh, the exorcism thing that she did was, uh, <laughs> to me, is is like what um, what's that other lady named uh, Lady Gaga when she did this song Judas, uh, I'm in love with Judas or whatever it was, and <laughs> and, and, and again, there was some Christian church who got outraged. There were some who, um, you know, they took offense. And I'm like, just forget about it. That is expected of them because they're not, you know, they're not Christians or not professing Christians or or maybe not even religious. We don't know. But, you know, that's expected of them. And then, you know, our kids, here's the difference between the, the, the generation of the old, you know, traditional good old-fashioned R&B and, and this generation, the difference is the fact that uh, 
older older R and B were was only in tune with their emotions and emo, you know the soul and they could they could push that out in their voices and in the music. But they were also in tune with the spirit. You know there was a spirituality that was uh, that accompanied that music. So not only did you feel the sensual, you felt the spiritual. Yeah, but these children, you know, children, music to uh, the music industry today is detached from that. There's only the sensual, you know, that's pushed, you know, gratifying the, the desires of the flesh. That's what's being pushed up. And you can't expect that 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 music and those persons who are producing it and, and performing, you can't expect them to emote a spiritual over uh, overarching theme if they are if they're desensitized from that. Uh, and that's the problem, you know. In their mind, it's, it's, it's to be mocked. Spirituality is to be mocked because probably most of the people they come into contact with that uh, that are spiritual, you know, they, uh, how can I put it? They're out of touch, you know. And when I say out of touch, I'm not talking about it. I'm not talking about with um, with the music or anything like that, but they're out of touch with themselves and the spirit, and you know, and, and so that that disconnect that disconnect translates to the music that you hear. That's why it's easy for them to mock us, and that's why it's easy for them to not, you know, they may admire artists like Whitney and inspire to have a career like them, but uh, there's that great disconnect that that will will not be achieved. They, they can't achieve it. They won't be able to achieve it because of the fact that, you know, like I said, Whitney had that connection spiritually early, and, and it continued throughout her career. It continued throughout her career. It didn't stop just because, you know, of her drug addiction or things like that. Yeah, that affected her voice. It affected her voice deeply, but think about uh, the last album that she she released, I Look to You, that single. Um you could tell uh, she was still emoting in her in her, in her music. You know, it the some the somberness of uh, the melody and the way she sang it, the reverence that she gave, you know, that you could hear in her voice when she sang it. Uh, you, you don't find that in gospel artists. Not too many gospel artists today. You don't find that in a you know secular artist. It, it, that's it, it was easy. You know, it, it was it was easy for artists back in the day to shift. You know, they could shift from singing secular to to gospel easily because of that connection with the spiritual and essential. Um, and feel free to chime in. Feel free to chime in if you if you, you know. I want to hear your opinion about that. If I'm off, I'm off. Hey, that's the way. <laughs> that's what the show is about. So let us know. Chime in in, in the chat room on BlogTalkRadio.com and. We do have it up. Uh, send me, you know, let let us hear what you got to say. But uh, like I said, I wanted to honor Whitney with um, with some of the words, with some of the music that she had, uh, the gospel music that she had, and um, I, I was not able to do that. I'm gonna take a quick break, and when I come back from the break, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Whitney and see if we can get some of this music up. And if we can get some of the music up, we'll we'll play some. We'll be back right after this.
still get a free flight. You know that comes with a private island. Really? No, it comes with a hat. The airline credit cards promise flights for 25,000 miles, but there's never any seat for 25,000 miles. Frustrating, isn't it? But that won't happen with the Capital One Venture Card. You can book any airline, anytime. Hey, I just said that. After all, isn't traveling hard enough? To get the flight you want, sign up for a Venture Card at CapitalOne.com. What's in your wallet? TVs are so easy to peel. So kids can peel them. Kids love cuties because cuties are made for kids. This was the golf's best tourism season in years. All because so many people wanted to visit us in Louisiana. They came to see us in Florida. Nice try. They came to hang out with us in Alabama. Once folks heard Mississippi had the welcome sign off. They couldn't wait to get here. This year was great, but next year is going to be even better. And anyone who knows the golf knows that winter is prime time fun time. Sun's out. The water's beautiful. You can go deep sea fishing for amberjack, grouper, and mackerel. Our golf courses are open. Our bed and breakfast have special rates. And migrating waterfowl from all over make this a bird watcher's paradise. So if you missed it earlier this year, come on down. If you've already been here, come on back to Mississippi. Florida, Louisiana, Alabama. The Gulf's America's getaway spot, no matter where you go. So come on down and help make 2012 an even better year for tourism on the Gulf. Brought to you by BP and all of us who call the Gulf home. Today, this is your host, good old, good old boy here, <laughs> Pastor Lorenzo Neal. We're glad that you joined us. Um, well, you know, I'm, I'm I, I love doing my show. I, I get to have some good people on, good uh, topics on uh, to talk about. And in the second half, uh, the second segment of the show, we'll be talking with uh, uh, Pastor D.L. Foster out of Atlanta, Georgia. We'll be talking about homosexuality in the church. And but before we get there, we we we. I uh, had a little time uh, to just dedicate to Whitney Houston. Um, and I, I want to, you know, if you, some of you had some 
memories or things that you want to share about with her, I, you know, we can talk about that for a little bit. And, and I, I left off with this point about the Grammys and Nicki Minaj and the Grammy performance. Uh, now, um, at one time, and this this kind of relates, uh, and it's a little bit off subject from 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 with me, but it, it does kind of relate. Uh, at one time, you would anticipate seeing the Grammys because you knew that you were going to see the diversity of the music industry. You want to see everything, you know, country. You are going to see uh, Latin. You are going to see um, Zydeco, <laughs> for example, in South Louisiana. Zydeco. Uh, you were going to you were going to see all of this. Uh, the diversity of the music genre and the music industry, you were going to see them, uh, and, and they didn't cater to one particular audience. But unfortunately, you know, what, what's going, you know, with the music industry, with with all of it, the music shows, the BET Honors, the BET Awards, uh, American Music Awards, and the Grammys, you can see how that is the music industry is is fading into uh how can i put it it is it's losing it it's saving you know it's losing it it's just it's just fading away you know it's more artists you know i can understand that you know you want to put on good productions and for example you know you have people uh talking about chris brown and and um you know not haven't given him so much time, you know, so much attention during the Grammys. And, and of course, like I talked about, with, um, there was Rihanna and her performance. Um, there was um, Nicki Minaj and her performance, and there many others. And, of course, you know, the highlight of the show was uh, Adele and her performance. And, and you can see the contrast between those, the ones I listed uh, previously and Adele, the, you know, uh, the, those who are really artists, those who are natural singers and those who are products, packages. And unfortunately, that's what is being presented to the masses, you know, just packages. These guys, they're not really artists. They're, they're, they are made up, you know, they're created. They are, they are synthesized in the studio and then marketed to the public as, 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 as something real, you know. And it's just not the same quality. I used to love, look, I used to look forward to the Grammys. Because you had people like that, you had people like Whitney, you had people artists like Michael, you had artists like Stevie, you had artists, um, even um, other, you know, the younger artists. You had those guys; they were there. They understood the the sacredness of the gala, and I use that word sacredness because that's you know in the industry that's what it is. But I, I when I talked about the void that's going to that's being missed. Uh, that's missing because of Whitney's death. Um, it's obvious down that the, the singers who could fill those voids are are not. They're not going to get the opportunity because the, the market is flooded with all the wrong stuff. And I, I talk about Kim Burrell and uh, Whitney Houston's relationship, and Cece Wine is in Whitney Houston's relationship, and the way they passionately spoke about her as their sister. You know, they both performed with her. They're gospel artists. Uh, they're primarily gospel artists uh, because uh, uh, Kim Burrell has released uh, has released a secular album. Well, I don't know, I don't know if it's secular. I don't know how to classify, it. but it's an album of love songs. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but they they spoke of the reverence that 
again, like I said earlier, you know, you could hear the reverence that Whitney had for God and the gift that he had given her in her voice and all of that. It's, it's, it's a reverence that's kind of lacking, is that needs to be fulfilled. So all these, all you young ladies out there trying to get a, a career in the music, don't imitate, don't imitate nobody. You know, uh, be self and be authentic to yourself. Now study the greats. You know, I tell you, study people like, uh, of course, Aretha and Tina. You study those Tina Turner, but you know, study also study some Mahalia Jackson, study some uh, Marian Anderson, study study some Sarah Vaughan, some. You know, Billy Holiday. Study those greats also. They knew how to emote in their music. And they, they, they made you feel what they were singing. You you were right there with them, going through the pain, going through the joy, going through all of that. You know, hey, that's just my two cents. You feel, feel, feel free to give your two cents, <laughs> ten cents, a dollar, <laughs> whatever you got. Feel free to get it. Call in 347-237-5230. we got a few more minutes that we can talk about uh, with you. If you want to share some things, uh, feel free to do that. Send us an email at pastorrenzoneal at gmail.com. In the chat room, uh, blogtalkradio.com, uh, share whatever thoughts you may have. And then... Uh, we will uh, transition later on, but uh, I, I, I think I, I think that uh, she's she's definitely going to be missed, you know. Uh, and, and you know what? I didn't even put this correlation together, but um, we, we've lost Don Cornelius, we've lost uh, Whitney Houston, we lost another singer, all in this uh, this month of February, and you can tell how it's affecting. Uh, uh, well, you can't tell, but it, it is definitely going to be affecting black music industry, uh, and that includes the gospel music industry. And also, you know, we can't go, we can't leave. When we talk about black music, we have to include gospel, because uh, unfortunately, it has been immersed into secular music also. So there is almost little to no distinction between the two except for a little mention of God or something, you know, Jesus or here and there, a drop of drop of the name Jesus is here and there in some songs. Um but but um that 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 takes you know, the black music industry took a hard hit. And uh the question we need to begin to ask ourselves is uh what what we what do we want to see for our music industry? I mean, what's being marketed to the young people is not healthy. It's not healthy at all. It's not healthy emotionally, spiritually. Uh, certainly not healthy. You know, well, it may help them mentally because they can <laughs> they can learn these lyrics. They can learn these lyrics quick and fast, you know. But they find it difficult to learn basic assignments in their class. I, I'm just saying. I just threw that out there. That's just my two cents, you know. <laughs> so, uh, you know. It's going to be a great void. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be that we need to reflect upon in you know the black community as as we look to this to the uh, Whitney, her passing and her legacy. Um, what what can we do? What can we do to uh, bring back that sense of life to our music, to our life, you know, to to our culture? The young people seem not to have that desire. So we we got to figure out how to do that. Look, I'm going to take a quick break, and on the flip side of the break, we'll be going into our second segment. And the second segment, we'll be dealing with homosexuality in the church with my good 
friend D.L. Foster will be on. Okay, we'll be right back. at Jackson Hewitt and just found out how much he'll be getting back this year. Boy, is he happy there in the neighborhood. Want to feel as excited as Steve at tax time? Jackson Hewitt's How You Do It. No one gets your money faster. We have refund anticipation loans and you can pay nothing out of pocket. talk about how uh, about a year ago or two my computer crashed on me and I, I thought I lost all of my files. But I didn't worry because I realized I had all my things backed up online to CarbonniteOnline.com. Now Carbonite.com has technology to back up all your important files including your favorite music, photos, and all important documents. Matter of fact, they're so good. They use the same security technology that's used in e-commerce and online banking so you know that you're Files are safe and secure. And here's the thing: they're about, they 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 uh, they stay on their servers, secure 24 hours, seven days a week. And you don't have to worry about. It. You can access your files anywhere from any computer anywhere in the world. And that, that's that's a good guarantee. So I'm glad I had my files backed up. I was able to retrieve them and get them, and I didn't have to worry about it. And you know what? I didn't worry about the cost either because they had a plan that fit my budget. Now. Here's a good thing for you, my listeners. If you are concerned about losing your files, you want to back up, you, you know, you might have your jump drive, whatever, but I can tell you, you can use Carbonite.com to back up your files. Matter of fact, if you go to their site today, you can get a 15-day free trial, 15 days free. And then after viewing, you know, you check them out, you can get what you want. You'll love. I'm, I'm telling you, you'll be glad that you did. So go check them out today, Carbonite.com, for all your online backup needs. How much money do you need to make each month? That's the first question we'll ask when you decide to start your own home business through IncomeAtHome.com. As a success coach, I'm here to guide people like Karen, who needs to earn serious money from home. We were living payday to payday, and with four teenagers at home, we were worried. By the third month, I was banking more than $2,600. After only 18 months, I was consistently earning more than $7,000 a month. Now, it's a six figure income and I'm paying cash for college for four kids. We found our way out of rat race. 
Listen, this isn't selling soap or energy water to your friends. This is a real business bringing potential customers to your computer so you can earn money 24-7. IncomeAtHome.com is affiliated with a multi-billion dollar company and carries a triple A rating. So how much money do you need to earn each month from home? Visit IncomeAtHome.com right now for your chance to win $1,000. When BT made a commitment to the golf, we knew it would take time, but we were determined to see it through. Today, while our work continues, I want to update you on the progress. BP has set aside $20 billion to fund economic and environmental recovery. We're paying for all spill-related cleanup costs, and we've established a $500 million fund so independent scientists can study the Gulf's wildlife and environment for 10 years. Thousands of environmental samples from across the Gulf have been analyzed by independent labs under the direction of the U.S. Coast Guard. I'm glad to report all beaches and waters are open for everyone to enjoy. And the economy is showing progress, with many areas on the Gulf Coast having their best tourism seasons in years. I was born here. I'm still here, and so is BP. We're committed to the Gulf for everyone who loves it and everyone who calls it home. Welcome back to Zero Today. We're glad that you joined us. This is your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. And I tell you, every day is a good day to talk about something controversial. <laughs> and so today we are in the second half of the segment, uh, the segment here, the second segment of the show. We're going to be dealing with a subject that uh, so few people, I mean, everybody talks about behind closed doors, but nobody really wants to talk about in in, in public. And those who do talk about it in public, it you know, it kind of gets out of hand because uh, it's always a negative argument. And and I, I have on the line with me today to help us discuss about this topic, uh, Pastor D. L. Foster of Atlanta, Georgia, and we're going to be talking about homosexuality in the church. Pastor Foster, are you there? Yes, sir. God bless you, man of God. Doing well. All right. Glad that you have. A, I'm glad that you're here. And. Uh, um, you know, I spent the first uh, half of the show talking about Whitney Houston and, and kind of rambling a little bit more <laughs> about, the, uh, you know, the music industry and Nicki Minaj and all that stuff. But uh, and, and and I, I talked about this void that's kind of left in at, at Whitney's passing, but it's actually a, a it's actually a sign of the cultural uh, breakdown that's happening in our in our in our country, and of course a great deal of that. Breakdown is being promoted and and, and uh, is actually being pushed uh, by the gay and lesbian community. And and I, you know before folks start saying this now, I have great deal of respect uh, uh, for those who who are uh, homosexuals, but I, I I cannot stand and I say this publicly is going on. I cannot stand their agenda. I believe the agenda is counterproductive to, first of all, the kingdom of God, uh, and uh, of course the church, 
but also to society. Um, that, and I say their agenda. I know most folks, you know, when we're talking about homosexuality in the church, you know, they're probably just thinking choir director, you know, musician. But mm-hmm. behind behind the scenes, there's this big, you know, there's this large group. They're lobbyists. They're, you know, they they have a strong arm. <laughs> and so, but anyway, I, I we'll get into that later. But I want to welcome to the show Pastor D. L. Foster, and welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, Pastor Neil. God bless you, man, and thank you so much for having me back on your show again. Well, I'm glad that you're back on the show, Ed. and uh, uh, we we talked about this once before, and it was, you know, it, it was well received. A lot of people had a lot of questions, and, and uh, the way we approached it was was different. You know, we're, this is not intended to be to be confrontational. Unfortunately, it always ends up being confrontational. <laughs> Because the people, uh, uh, you know, uh, a lot of times the people just it's, it's offensive because they just don't want to deal with it. Would you, would you say that? Yeah. Well, you know, the truth is uh, controversial, and guess what? We did not create the controversy. Uh, God Himself created it by stand by stating His own standards of right and wrong, His own. Um, <clears throat> his own command to us to make a difference between what is clean and unclean, what is holy and unholy. That was a charge that he gave to us. And by upholding our father's standards, uh, if it causes controversy, if it causes people to, um, you know, to dislike us or hate us or whatever that might be, then I consider it as part of the package of my, my calling as a minister of the gospel. All right, and I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, for those who are listening, uh, Pastor Foster, he's not only a pastor, but he's also the founder and executive director of Witness Freedom Ministries. Um, and I want you to tell us a little bit about you and uh, for our new listeners who you know catching up. Tell us a little bit about you, um, your your connection to uh, the topic we're we're discussing, and uh, uh, Witness Freedom Ministries. Yes, sir. Well, uh, thank you so much. I I love uh, educating people about the issue of homosexuality, not just from a political or social view, but from uh, a kingdom perspective, which is that God, uh, through Jesus Christ, came here to reconcile this world back to himself. And by his by the blood that he shed, all people, homosexuals um, and anyone else can be delivered, set free and live a life of holiness um, by the by, by virtue of the blood of Jesus Christ. And that is what Witness Ministries is about. It's about the word of our testimony, as it says in Revelation twelve eleven. and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony, of their testimony, because they love not their lives unto the death. And I take that as, all, as my theme scripture. I share my testimony of being delivered from homosexuality almost 22 years ago. Uh, as a as a as a, a man who was conflicted about his sexuality and eventually went into living his life as a homosexual man for eleven years, and then finding out that uh, you know I was living apart from Jesus Christ and it was a it's a terrible existence even though I enjoyed the pleasures of sin for a season. God showed me that I needed him more than I needed anything else in this world. And I'm so thankful that uh, on April 12, 1990, I believe the report of the Lord, and I accepted his offer 
to have relationship with him. And it's been a wonderful journey that I do not regret one second of. And so my mission today is to tell other people who are held captive uh, by their sexuality, their emotions, by the issues of life, that Jesus Christ came to set you, them, us free. And you can't be free uh, on today if you believe the report of the Lord. Wow, that's an awesome testimony. The fact that you were delivered from homosexuality, and now you are, your ministry is in like manner, bringing that wisdom and that education and that power to others so they too can be free. Now, how do you argue, um, how do you argue with those who say that uh, they're born that way and those who say that God, uh, you know, you know, God is not delivering them from that. Well, you know, uh, if you cannot believe, you cannot receive. And so at some point there has to be a separation from individuals who uh, don't want to receive that, don't want to believe that. Uh, but if you can believe, Jesus said this best. He said if you if you can't just believe, if you can just believe, all, with God all things are possible. Uh, so for individuals who don't believe they can be delivered or don't believe that it's possible, uh, you know, I have to lead them to themselves. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. I'm not calling anybody a horse, but I'm just using an analogy. Uh, so we are charged, Pastor Neal, and you know this as a pastor, we are charged to preach truth. And uh, people's response to the truth is not my responsibility. That's between wow. them and God. If they reject the truth, then they they have to also understand that the rejection of truth comes with consequences, okay? And the acceptance of God's truth comes with blessings. And and so we are that's that's why we cannot dilute this message. We cannot as a as a young friend of mine said, we can't photoshop the truth. We have to put it out as God said it. And he knows the reason why he says things the way he says them. So for me, when I come in contact with people, say, well, hey, I'm born that way. There's no way I can change. I don't believe what you're saying. You're lying. Hey, I part company and let them go because I can't make them believe anything. But for the individuals who says, like the man in the Bible told Jesus, Lord, help my unbelief. Hey, I'm there with you. You know what I'm saying? Because at one time in my life, I struggled to believe, could I be free? Was this really for me? You know, I didn't know anybody else who had had been free from homosexuality. So in my mind, I had no, you know, no blueprint, no role model. But the Lord let me know with his own, you know, uh, in, intervention in my life that, yes, freedom is for you. Freedom is for anybody who desires it. And I'm going to tell you something, Pastor. Any slave wants to be free. The struggle yeah. for freedom. You understand what I'm saying? The struggle for freedom is something any person can understand. And this is why Jesus came, so that we could be free. He said that in John 8, uh, that he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And that's the message I'm preaching today. Let every captive go free. Let every slave who does not want to be a slave, you can get off that plantation of the devil's plantation, and today you can go free. Now, I don't understand what's so wrong about that message unless the slave masters want to keep folk on the plantation. But I am anti-slave master myself. Okay. So let's let, let's get right into the bulk of this. We know that okay. there are homosexuals in the church. Well, yes. I mean, it's it's an open secret. Yeah, <laughs> it's an open secret that right. there are homosexuals in the church. Uh, 
and you talk about slave masters. Uh, would you consider some pastors who uh, allow uh, these individuals, you know, in their music ministry or in their in their pulpits, or uh, now <laughs> in their own churches? Uh, how 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 do you how should a pastor um, deal with these guys, these people? Uh, what 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 type of approach they use? Um, and, and then we're going to talk about hate. Hate and um, I, I want to get into that that uh, hate and bullying topic later. But uh, how how should the pastor address that? Okay, um, it seems like you're asking me two questions. First of all, are you asking me if I agree that there are homosexuals in the church and it's an open secret? And oh then, no, no, I'm not. I, okay. I, I, uh, that's that's a statement. We know that. Okay. <laughs> that's a fact. <laughs> All right. No, so we don't need to discuss that one. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, if anybody, if, if any of my listeners have a problem with that, then that's tough. That's that's a reality. We know that they are in the church. You know, we right. know that they're in the choir. That. We know that they're musicians, they're choir directors, and they even are pastors. And yeah. I'm not talking about pastors starting their own churches. We're going to get into that later. I'm talking about, in, 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 you know, mainline churches like mine, you know, denominational churches. So I, we know that they're there. Uh, I was asking, how should the pastor address that, those those persons? I mean, in sermons, okay. uh, things like that. Okay. Let's assume two scenarios. The first scenario, let's assume that Pastor Johnson is a good pastor. He is trying to lead people the way of the Lord, in the way of the Lord, as a, as a shepherd should. Uh, and let's assume that in Pastor Johnson's church, there are individuals there who struggle with homosexuality. They do not want to be that way. They, don't, they believe that it's wrong, but they simply don't know how to come out of it. They're, they're stuck in a pattern of failure in their life. Um, what Pastor Johnson should do is to connect those individuals. If he feels inadequate to address these issues, and pastors have told me, uh, hey, that, that wasn't my thing. I wasn't caught up in that. And so they feel inadequate to address it. Sometimes they feel intimidated because they don't have the proper information. Perhaps they don't have a proper perspective. And I know one of the uh, frequent um, things that people say is, hey, you know, how are you going to tell me because you don't know what I've been through? And, uh, and, hey, and that's understandable. So what Pastor Johnson should do is to connect himself with individuals like myself, with witness ministries and other ministries whom God has given us a special anointing to help the church. Let me say that again. Help the church to deal with this so that then he will be equipped. And when you look at Ephesians 4, uh, did not God give gifts to the church uh, to equip them for the work of the ministry? And this is a for the work of the ministry issue. When a pastor feels ill-equipped to deal with certain situations in his church, that, that shouldn't be the end of the story. They should seek out someone who is skilled and employ them, if it means equipping yourself or if it means bringing that individual in so that, those people under your charge can be free. They can understand the truth. They can, um, you know, be able to not be bound by those situations. They should pursue that. Uh, and so so that, that's, that's one scenario. The other scenario I would like to 
poses. Let, let's say Pastor Jackson is a pastor who is allowing homosexuals in his church to function in these positions, knowing full well they are out of the will of God. And you know what, uh Pastor Lorenzo, I consider these people like the um, owners of the girl in Acts 16 who had a spirit of divination. Wow. She brought her master's money. Let's just bring it home. She she could make the choir good. She could play that organ till folk danced out their shoes. They, she could preach the kingdom down. But guess what? She was operating from a spirit of divination, and the bottom line was money. If folk don't believe me, you go to Acts 16 and read it for yourself. And when she and when Paul and Silas came to that town, uh, uh, she began to follow them and said, "Hey, these are men of God." And Paul became vexed in his spirit and cast that devil out of her. When he did, she could no longer bring them money, and that's when they attacked Paul and Silas, and that's what led to them being in jail, in uh, being in the Philippian jail, okay, where they sang and prayed at midnight. That's what led to that. So if these pastors really were true men of God, they would deal with the situation um, and, and, and pull these people out of these positions until they are free. But they know because their main objective is money. These homosexuals that are playing the organs, singing in the choirs, directing the choirs, writing the uh, dolly songs and getting them albums and bringing them notoriety, they are bringing cash to that church. They are bringing people who are giving cash, okay? And so if we deal with that issue, they're not going to live that lifestyle anymore, and these people think that it's going to affect their bottom line, which is money. Okay, I hope I said enough right there to help people understand. We have two different scenarios going on in the church, and we need to deal with them. The Bible does not leave us ignorant in terms of these situations, but I think it is our will to do it. We know, but we don't have the will to do it. Uh, but we, but so from somewhere, we've got to get the will to deal with it, uh, so, lest the church itself become a habitation of all kinds of spirits. Are you saying, are you saying, Pastor Foster, that we have weak-minded pastors that are not capable, that do not want to uh, address this issue for fear that they lose their ministry? Yes, I'm saying that. Uh, yes, I absolutely am saying that. Uh, not only are there weak-minded pastors, there are pastors who uh, they're getting some of the cookies out of the cookie jar for themselves. Okay, uh, they have a vested interest in keeping homosexuals in leadership in the church. And I'm going to tell you something. It's not necessarily just about homosexuals, but no unrepentant person, please hear me, no unrepentant person should be allowed to have influence and leadership in the house of God. No unrepentant person. Okay. That means it's a person who says, yeah, I'm gay, and Jesus loved me anyway, and he don't think there's nothing wrong with it. That's the kind of person I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a person who struggles with the issue, but they're seeking deliverance, okay? But these proud, arrogant, full-of-sin folk uh, up-leading the people of God, they're leading folk nowhere but straight into hell, and such things should not be in the house of God. You you make a good point, and, and we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back on the other side of this break, I want to deal with um, 
that you know the the new things that's coming up in the black churches um where they're calling it um tolerance and you know uh, progressive uh, church movement yeah, affirmation and, and I, tolerance I, I, yeah I, I want to talk about that uh, when we come back from this break here. And, um, of course, I also want to talk about um, um, the hate that's being propagated, uh, uh, that's being pushed by these groups as, you know, they, they're, they're saying one thing and, and, and saying, you know, saying two things at one mouth, you know, hate, we hate, we love you, but y'all hate us. Uh, so uh, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back right after this, okay? Welcome back to Zero Today. This is your host, uh, Lorenzo Neal, and I have with me my guest, um, 
Pastor D.L. Foster, Executive Director of Freedom Witness Ministries out of Atlanta. Um, he's a commentator. He's he's a teacher. He's a pastor. He's an author. And uh, I want you to talk a little bit about your book later on, too. But we're talking about homosexuality in the church. And right before the break, we talked – you were talking about uh, the weak pastors and the pastors who allow uh, you know, those who are unrepentant to stay in uh, places or of leadership because it brings them money and it safeguards that ministry. But uh, what about this new thing that's coming up in the black church? Uh, there's um, there's a church in Atlanta, I'm sure you're familiar with, Vision Church, and it calls itself a progressive, tolerant uh, inclusive church, but those are cold words. Uh, for those of you who don't know, those words are cold words for uh, homosexual. You know, they uh, homosexual, same sex embracing. You know, they 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 take those in. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about this this that's coming up, this trend that's that's, that's going that's coming up in the church. Uh, and there's also, if I understand it correctly, there's a whole new uh, fellowship that's bringing around this also. So tell mm. us a little bit about that. Well, you know, um, your listeners and, and uh, should understand that this is nothing. This is, did not start overnight. Um, it's, a, it's my opinion that the church has been asleep for quite some time. We've had our conferences, um, retreats, parties, um, uh, meetings, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, we have been blind to what the enemy is doing in our midst. Um, and this uh, false church that has sprung up, the gay church, and you're right, those words, uh, affirmation, uh, sexual uh, affectation, uh, tolerance, all of those are euphemisms that lead to homosexuality. Uh, the gay church right now is under a massive makeover campaign. What they have understood, particularly from um, blogs like mine, GCM Watch, Gay Christian Movement Watch, they have understood that uh, we have put a negative tag on the word homosexuality, and they don't want it. What they want to do is deceive people into their churches to where they can say, hey, our church is not a homosexual church. See, look at these three people. They're not homosexual. Uh, but the truth is that anytime you subject yourself under the authority of an openly homosexual man or woman, you yourself become partaker of their sins, according to Romans 132. Okay, and so it's just like the enemy to always disguise himself. Satan will never show you his true self. He tries to disguise himself in everything he does. As a matter of fact, it says in Corinthians that he will even disguise himself as an angel of light and his ministers as ministers of righteousness. So uh, our job is to expose the unfruitful works of darkness so that people are not deceived. Deception is a serious, serious thing. And I don't believe anybody wants to be deceived. I mean, if, if somebody was taking money out of your bank account uh, and you found out about it, would you just let it go on with, if somebody was lying to you about what you had? Nobody would do that. They would want to know the truth. And when it comes to God's church and these people using the cloak of righteousness, the cloak of spirituality, uh, what they're doing is uh, moving moving a Trojan horse virus into the heart of the church because the devil's desire from the beginning has been to kill, to steal, and destroy. And he is using homosexuality. Please hear me. He is using homosexuality as his weapon of choice. 
people say, why do you talk about this issue? Because the devil has made it his weapon of choice against the church. And so we have to be like the men of Issachar who understood the times and knew what Israel ought to do. Uh, some people have gay burnout. They don't want to talk about it. They don't want to hear about it. And I can understand that sometimes I get gay burnout too. I just get sick of even thinking about it. But our charge from God is to warn the people of God. Jesus himself said, beware false prophets, uh, for they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. And any person who is concerned about the sheep, truly concerned about God's people, would stay on the wall and would warn them. And so these words that you mentioned, People have to understand that these are euphemisms. They are cloaked words with double meaning sometimes to make sure that you do not know the true nature of these very, I call them vile churches. They are vile. Any, any church that would take a perversion, put it on display, and dance and shout and speak in tongues around it as if it is some kind of God that brought them out of Egypt. It's a vile and perverse thing, and we ought to call it what it is so that people are warned. Now, if you go, you know, prancing over there and hook up with it and you know what's up, hey, you know, that's on you. But for those who are immature in the faith, for those who are seeking the will of the Lord to live in a way that God is pleased, then, uh, you know, we warn. So so uh, that, that that is what I believe about this entire issue. And as you can see with that, um, I think there was the Lexi show put out this video of her interview uh, with this, uh, which is very ironic that they would call themselves the Vision Church. Yes. when they are spiritually blind. Uh, but in that, again, it's just like the devil. Uh, but anyway, Lexi, uh, to her shame, put these individuals on display as if there was nothing wrong with what they were, what they were doing. And it was nothing but a parade of flesh and emotions. And uh, it's sad that people get caught up in their flesh and their emotions. And these type of churches, they really capitalize on broken people who are hurting. They have been hurt by the church. Uh, I don't know about you, Pastor, but I've been hurt by the church. But being hurt by the church does not give me a license to sin. Being hurt by the church does not give me a license to go against the clear, perfect, and good will of God. It does not give me a license to live my life the way I want to live it against what I know is true. And so these type of churches hold out these carrot stick candy canes to these broken, hurt people and tell them that it's okay for them to be that way because God understands it or, hey, the Bible really doesn't even talk about it or it's just those haters in the, on the right wing that don't want you to love who you want to love. And they make all of these silly, um, illogical displays of, ling, uh, of linguistics that um, play on people's minds, and they entrap them. And so, again, uh, I, I consider it – yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, you, 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 you said a mouthful right there. Um, uh, the, you know, they, they, they trap people with their e emotions. Uh, uh, I have a quick question about that. Um, with the, uh, you know, I, I'm in the traditional church. I, I love where I am. But a lot of the churches, the atmosphere is so where you cannot discern what type of church it is. Um, you know, it's, a, it's not affiliated with the denomination. I'm speaking from this perspective. It's, not a, it's a non-denominational independent church. And the pastor, you know, spews out things to make people feel welcome. You know, make them feel comfortable. 
And if they don't share that, you know, a lot of these churches, they don't preach the gospel. Right. They don't preach the gospel. And my question, my question is, how can a person discern a, a type of church like Vision Church? Okay, if first of down? all, that's a great question. Uh, first of all, it's, um, you know, the, the Spirit of God gives all of us basic discernment, meaning um, you can kind of tell when something's not right. You may not know exactly what it is, but you can tell something ain't right about this. And what people need to do is trust and follow the basic spiritual discernment that God has given us. Uh, I've never been to that church, but I have been to homosexual churches before. I call it on a Joshua and Caleb mission. I wanted to go and see. I was like, God, I want to see if what I've heard is true. And, uh, you know, I was I was fairly disgusted, um, but I needed to see it for myself so that when I talk to people, I know what I'm talking about. Uh, and so when you go into a church, I mean, we've all been in churches, and you feel something is not right or you hear something that doesn't sound right to you, uh, first of all, be like the Marines. Check it out in Scripture. Don't call Uncle Johnny and, you know, uh, Aunt Susie. Check it out in your Bible. But, Pastor, that brings up another problem that we have, which is biblical illiteracy. We have so many Christians that do not study their Bible on a regular basis. They do not study it to show themselves approved. And I'm not talking about just accumulating knowledge. I'm talking about studying so that you protect yourself against false teachings. And if you don't do that, then you you put yourself at risk. You make yourself vulnerable to these wolves and to these false teachers who have smooth, educated, good-sounding, emotional-laden words to draw you in, and for this reason, so that you don't notice that you're in the pit of hell, okay? So people need to wake up. And if you see something that's not right, and you know what else, and and then I'm going to stop talking uh, for this one, Uh, it's the same thing going on in our culture. And I notice that every time I hear the news, it's like, uh, a, a person gets jumped on or they get attacked or they get robbed. And most of the time they're not paying attention to their environment. They're just happy-go-lucky. You know, they don't think anybody's going to bother them. But thieves, wait they lie in wait for people who are not paying attention. And we find the same thing going on concurrently, parallel in the church. There's so many people, they're so busy, quote, shouting, dancing, and praising the Lord they don't realize that the enemy is lying in wait to deceive them, and they become casualties. And I don't mean this in a negative, uh, uh, you know, a negative way, but they become casualties of their own ignorance when it doesn't have to be that way. Hey, that's a very good point. I'm glad you brought that out. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I agree. The church is um, the overarching church in every community, in every. Uh, facet of it is is largely biblically inept. We uh, mm-hmm. we we just don't know what true spirituality. Well, I don't even like using the word spirituality because that's also a cold either. word. Yeah, it's just cold uh, too. Uh, um, you know, when it comes down to the richness of the what the Word of God advises and and instructs us to do, we we don't do that. And when it comes to tolerance, I and I, I'm going to segue into this next this next. Uh, but part I want to ask you, up to tolerance, uh, I have come to discover 
that uh, the homosexual community, not homosexual, not individuals, but the community itself, and I use community because that's you know that's the way they describe themselves. Um, at large, is is highly intolerant, highly intolerant. Uh, for example, just this conversation we're having now, we're we're saying we're, we're discussing it in a light way, but there are those who will who will automatically uh, in in fit. Insist that we are being uh, intolerant. We are being, um, you know, unloving. All of that stuff, you know. Uh, but the reality is, they. I have come to discover that they are the most. The the community itself is really the most intolerant. Now we had a discussion once before, and we were talking about uh, this "It Gets Better" campaign, and um, mm-hmm. uh, in rely in 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 relation to. Uh, the bullying that's been going on to children who are uh, homosexual, homosexual, and, and you know that's a whole different. Uh, when I say, I believe this is really a spiritual issue because you know children uh, saying at six and five, six and seven years old that they're you know that they're gay, they, they're still having, they're still developing it. it it's amazing yeah. to me that you know. You know, you have a public school system, and I was a public school teacher. Uh, and, and you have a you have a public school system that's that's pushing this tolerance. And you have uh, uh, an angry culture uh, that's angry because it seems like their 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 uh, their culture is being uh, attacked on. That's the right wing folk, you know. <laughs> Everything right, is white, white ring Republicans. That's what this. That's what you say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the angry white Protestant male Republicans. You know, mm-hmm. largely. You know, largely, uh, they feel like everybody's attacking them, and <laughs> that's a whole different topic. But these areas are pushing this thing, and it leads. It leads to a different retaliation from them, whereas those of us who want to embrace them and love them and love them out of their condition into what God really has for them, we are being assailed upon as being intolerant, angry, you know, same thing. Uh, But let's talk about this. Um, Who's the bigger bully in the church and outside of the church? are, Are the homosexuals really the bullies? Are they really, you know... Do they have such a strong arm on the black church right now that we can't move forward? That's my question. Do you think that? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, um, this is something that probably everybody should be, everybody with a child, or even if you don't have a child, you care about children. You should be concerned about this. I'm 50 years old, and um, there were bullies in my school when I was a kid. You know what I'm saying? And they didn't bully me or anybody else because we are we were said we were gay or wasn't gay. That's just bullies. Bullies do that, you know. And uh, I never forget uh, this when I was in uh, uh, third, fourth, fifth grade. One of those. One of those. Been a while. Uh, we had a, I had a bully in our class, and and one day we were out on the playground, and uh, my mom had just bought me a brand new corduroy coat with a little fake fur around the top. And uh, it had been raining that day, but we were out on the playground, and that day this bully decided he was going to pick on one of my friends. And, you know, Pastor, I had just had enough of it. I had enough of it. And so 
I I stepped in and uh you know, I started to fight with him. And I messed that new coat up my mama bought me. She was so mad at me, but I messed that coat up and I punched him in his nose. And you know what? He became a very good friend of mine. And I tell my kids, listen, don't you ever start nothing with nobody. And don't you run to no fight. But if somebody attacks you, you need to know to defend yourself. And your dad is always going to be on your side. You know, you hit that bully in his nose and let him know that you can't, you're not going to stand for that. And they'll leave you alone. But now it's, it's interesting that my, my youngest son tells me that the school tells them they can't even defend themselves. Basically, you have to let the person beat you up, and then you're in the clear. Okay, but what if they knock his teeth out? What if they enter his eye where he can't see again? I think every person should have the right to defend themselves against bullies. Now, to the issue of uh, gay, uh, the gay activists, uh, yes, they are the new bullies. You know, they are the new uh, playground bullies. They are bullying everyone who doesn't disagree with them because they now have the media they're now the media hallway patrols, okay? So they can bully us um, into not try, uh, not saying anything or, you know, as the situation was with uh, Roland Martin, you know, get you fired from your job. There have been lots of people who have been fired simply by expressing their opinion apart from their job about this issue. And this has sent a chilling effect throughout the professional community because now unless you toe the line uh, and either affirm homosexual people, you bet the message is you better keep your mouth shut. You understand what I'm saying? That's the same sort, sort of situation they put Daniel in. They told they said, we're going to set this up. We're going to make it so that we're going to make a law so that if anybody do anything outside of what this law says, we got them. They knew Daniel wasn't going to comply. They set it up, you all know it, this Daniel ends up in the lion's den. We as Christians are going to have to understand that we are on an inevitable uh, clash. We're on an inevitable course. The, the God of this world and his truth is on an inevitable clash with the God of this, I'm, I'm sorry, God uh, is on an inevitable clash with Satan, the God of this world, and his false truth, if I can say it like that. And there's no way around it. Some people try to avoid fights. This is one that you cannot say, well, hey, I ain't got no dog in this fight. Trust me. It's either going to get you one way or another. And my resolve is to stand firm on the word of God. Hey, guess what? Some of us may end up in the lion's den. Some of us may end up in prison. Some of us may have to give up our lives for the sake of the gospel. But we'd be in good company because many have done it before us. I mean, you look at Dr. King, who was in prison, was jailed. Was, they tried to kill him many times, but he believed in, he, in what he had been called to do. And I don't understand now what, what's up with all the punking out, you know. I mean, if we believe God, we get in our churches, we do all of this, I call it like a dog behind a, you know, the dog that used to bark real bad behind the fence, but when you open the gate, yeah. they wouldn't come out. That's the way a lot of preachers do today. They preach real hard against homosexuality while they got their amen corner. But you put them out there in society where these homosexuals will fight hard against them, they won't say a word. We got to change that. You know, um, bullies need to be confronted. And it's the, the ironic thing about the situation with homosexuality is that they're, 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 they have a dual deception. They're saying that. We are victims, 
We're being beaten. We're being killed. But at the same time, they're the ones doing the bullying for anybody who won't agree with them. You know, and anybody who's been to Sunday school three times in the last 10 years can see that, you know. But let me say these few facts, or at least uh, people can look research it for themselves. But homosexual kids are not bullied any more than any other kids. And I'm all for stopping bullying. It has become the new cause celebrate for the gay movement. Uh, but their mm-hmm. intention is not to protect all children. They could care less about the fat kid that's getting bullied. They could care less about the kid with big teeth or big nose that's getting bullied. They only want to um, uh, support those who are, you know, getting bullied because of the perceived homosexuality. But you should be concerned about all children. So they don't get bullied any more than anybody else. And the whole part of this is, you know, we have to understand who is behind this. Satan wants to make homosexuality normal in the eyes of the people. And so he's using every trick, every tactic he can to normalize it, to desensitize us so we, so, so that we can turn against God and say, hey, there's nothing wrong with it, you know, um, but we can't do that. And uh, I certainly won't be a part of that crowd, but I do abhor any kind of violence against any person. But I tell you what, God gave me the right to defend myself, and I'm definitely going to use it if somebody comes against me. Okay, we have a caller uh, out of Dallas. We're going to take this call real quick. Uh, hello, caller, you're on the air. Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Yes, we can. Okay. okay. Um, my, I think it's more of a statement because I see it a lot out here where I live in, and uh, homosexuality is accepted out here, as you were saying, through the schools and everything. But... You know, I'm just saying that when is the real church, not just one individual, because one person can't make a difference. It's going to take everyone that say they are child or children of God to to stand up on their spiritual legs and say we're not going to stand for this anymore and that they're going to stand for truth. And, and like you say, a lot of Christians do hide behind God. I mean, they're not they're not living the life that they talk about. They're not living the life out here that you know, uh, that is in the Bible. And my my thing is that the only way that I feel that things will be able to change if we start speaking truth about any and every subject and take that subject at the root. You know, uh, as a serpent, you know, when you kill, you got to take it at the head. Well, as a subject of homosexuality, as you see it, you know, I take it upon myself to tell kids, you know, that's not right. And they'll ask me why, and I'll tell them why. Now, I don't tell them of my perception. I take them to the Word of God and tell them why. And I tell them in a loving way because if you come to them in a negative way, that's the way they're going to take it. So I I think that we as Christians, children of God, that we need to speak up. The church needs to speak up because it's going rampant in the church a lot, uh, homosexuality, and it's, and it's like it's okay, it's okay you that way. God understands, and that's not right. God does not understand because that's, you know, that's abomination to God. God did not create man to be with man and woman to be with woman. You know, he created man and woman. So um, that was just what I wanted to say about it because you answered a lot of things that I had questions about, and you made statements that I would have made. But that's one thing I want to get out there for the listeners that, uh, those Christians, you know, uh, God of people says some people have a closet religion where well, we need to get out the closet and come out 
and and, and be stand firm because you know God words say if, if God be for us who could be against us. So while the Christians being so afraid to speak up on what God said is not good, you know, and that's all I have to say. All right, appreciate the call. Thank you again, uh, yes. Dr. Foster. Um, she she did make a good thing, uh, especially about the closet, you know, closet Christians, and and about truth. Now, here's my thing, you know, uh, when she talks about truth, they are armed with scripture, and they they're armed with scripture in a way that they could use scripture, the very same scripture that you know we're familiar with that that we use to argue uh, against homosexuality. They homosexuality, they can use that and 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 say that no it was not intended that way. And it kinda like kinda like um disarms that argument. Uh how can believers how can believers uh with love and with sincerity and with authority, how can we confront those who are the bullies? Uh and, and without backing down, how can we confront them? I, I know the word of God is is there and it's quick, it's powerful. But when they have the very same weapon and they use that to disarm, uh, what what then do you do? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I agree with the sister uh, on several points. Um, the fact that, you know, we, uh, the church, feels intimidated is a sign that we don't know God. Uh, you tell me where in Scripture God has ever been intimidated by anybody. There have been thousands uh, that have amassed against his people. You remember the story with Jehoshaphat, and they sent mm-hmm. out the praises, and, and God slew all the all the enemies. And there's their place with Gideon where he caused the enemy to be so frightened they fought against themselves. There's another place he sent one angel and slew 186,000 soldiers one angel. And I don't understand how a church who proclaims to know God could be intimidated by anything. David said in Psalm 27 and 1, uh, uh, you know, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? We need to get back to being not afraid, okay? And this whole situation about having to prove that we love people, I'm just really through with that because I do love everybody. If I don't love everybody, to hell, I will go with the same folk that I'm saying I don't love. So, yes, I love everybody. Now, can we get to the truth? And don't let, I would say, don't let people get you involved in what I call straw man or argumentation, um, where they create these sidebar um, uh, accusations to draw you away from the real issue. The real issue is what God said. The real issue has always been what God said. The real issue is not uh, has the church been homophobic. The real issue is what God said, because if there were no church, uh, homosexuality would still be a sin. If if the church didn't exist, homosexuality would still be a sin. And so for those people who want to uh, make a difference, we have to keep the issue and what what it needs to be, uh, which is what God said. And look, and when Jesus was tempted, what did he respond with? It is written. Everything the devil brings at us, we need to be, uh, we need to get into the vein of knowing it is written and and stand on that. And, and you know, it's it's interesting that people say, oh, don't preach to people. Well, why not? That's what God chose. God chose preaching it, preaching, you know, to to save. 
But we, we people say, oh, don't preach at people. Don't, I don't want to be preachy. Well, we better get back to preaching. Preaching is what saves. And so the enemy is trying all exactly. kinds of different tactics to move us away from the prime imperative, what God has said. Everything hinges. Look at what um, the situation in the Garden of Eden. Uh, the devil said to Eve, has God not said? Even the devil recognizes the power of what our father has said. And this whole issue about homosexuality, uh, uh, my brother, is an issue of identity. And so we have to get back to the word of the Lord. But, again, it raises that issue about this severe case of biblical illiteracy that exists in the church today. People know gospel songs better than they know the word of God. Um, they can quote all kinds of philosophical um, uh, people, but but they act like they don't, you know, when it comes to the word of God, we get all of this stammering. Why don't we get back to God's word? That is what's important. That is our both our protector and our weapon. And so for anybody who needs, who says, well, hey, what should I do? First thing you need to do is get back in the word, okay, uh, for yourself so you can know for yourself this truth that we speak and be confident when you speak the truth in love. All right. We've been talking with Pastor D.L. Foster. He's a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia. He's an executive director of Freedom Witness Ministries. Pastor, I'm so glad that you came on to the show. Again, a very enlightening and illuminating show and insights that you provided to us. But for my listeners who may have more further questions or want to contact with you, uh, get in touch with you. Uh, uh, how about, can you share your information, contact information? I don't want you to get oh, any more yeah. hate mail like you got the other day. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. It's part of the job, brother. So thank God for Jesus. But I am. I would uh, welcome anyone who wants to know more. Uh, I have um, put in 15 years of hard labor <laughs> as a servant of the Lord to help the church deal with this issue. And I understand that some people, they have a lot of questions. I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I know a God who does. And if we take it to him, I know that he will give us those answers. So they can contact me at my website, which is witnessfortheworld, witnessfortheworld.org. And uh, all of my contact information is on there, uh, including my phone number. So uh, I'm a very accessible person. I don't hide or anything like that. So if anybody has any questions or comments or, as I like to say, stones they want to throw, um, you know, you, you can find me there. And in uh, closing, uh, as we get ready to close out the show, uh, can we be empowered as, as Christians to stand up against this homosexual uh, challenge without uh, putting ourselves in jeopardy and without um, – Losing the uh, the church, and when I say, well, I guess we can't lose the church because it's Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, but without losing our faith in Christ and in um, in, in, in um, His Word, how, uh, how uh, what do you what do you say? Give us some parting words uh, to empower the listeners. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I understand what you're saying. Uh, one, one scripture that truly, truly empowers me is from Daniel 11 and 32, uh, the last part. And he says, the people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And I would encourage any person, know God, because our strength comes from him. In our weakness, he is made strong. 
and uh, we're up against a formidable in- enemy. We're no different than David, who with five stones faced one of the greatest warriors to walk the face of the earth, Goliath. Everybody fears even the name of Goliath. Um, but but God, who is our strength, the same God who gave David victory over Goliath, can give us and will give us victory over, listen, his enemies. These are not our enemies. They're enemies of God. And as David said, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. And so we attach ourselves to the one who cannot be defeated. And I want people to know, listen, the Bible says, greater is he in us than he that is in the world. My pastor used to say it's an inside brace for outside pressure. And nothing that comes against us will be able to take us down as long as the greater one lives in me. They can't take me down unless they take him down. If they take him down, they're some bad folks, I'm telling you. But I know his track record. I've read from Genesis to Revelation, and he wins in the beginning, and he wins in the end, and he wins all the way through. And this is the God that we know. I have no fear. I have no intrepidation about speaking truth because my faith and my hope is in God. The same God that Paul trusted, Peter trusted, when they beat them and told them not to speak of Jesus again, they didn't go and run away. They said, Lord, uh, uh, you have heard the threats against your servants. Now give us boldness. And one thing that the people of God need to do, and I'm finished, is that we need to get our confidence back in the God that we serve. There's nothing impossible with God. All right. That's great. I appreciate it. Again, we've been on, we've had our guest, uh, Pastor D.L. Foster. And Pastor, again, we want to thank you for uh, joining us again. And, of course, thank we'll you, get sir. back on because there's still more, much more to go. The battle is a long battle and one that will be shared. But uh, for those of you who are joining us, we thank you for listening. Next week, come back at the same time. Our guest will be Memory Begasa. She's an author and um Christian speaker and motivator uh, from Zimbabwe, a native of Zimbabwe. She'll be joining us next week. We'll be talking about empowerment and motivation for young women. So until then, thank you, Pastor Foster. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. You've been joining us uh, with Zero today, and we're glad that you had us. Until next time, God bless you.